there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Here we are once again, ready to rock the health world on Advanced Medicine Monday, doing some medical rewind. Guess who's back? And he's here right now. Dr. Rashid Batar, welcome back. Glad to have you on board. Thanks, Robert. It's always great to be here. You know, I thought we'd start with some real absurdities. Uh, you know, these are Orwellian things that we have to consider, and sometimes just saying them makes people think clearly. Like, uh, we have to raise the debt ceiling in order to lower it, or we have to abandon the free market in order to save it, or... We have to kill the patient in order to save them, kind of like chemotherapy. <laughs> I'm going to comment on that. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of world we're living in now. It's crazy. You know, you can say this. You have you're still protected by the freedom of speech, right? Oh yeah, I'm pushing the First Amendment for all it's worth while we still have it. But until they say we have to abandon freedom of speech in order to save that too. Right, but I, I'm not protected by the freedom of speech. I'm not protected by the First Amendment because, as a physician. Your ability to say the truth is completely restricted. Remember, you're now practicing medicine outside of the standard of care because the standard of care is that you tell them what the mainstream traditional line of garbage is. Yeah. And if you mention anything else, I mean, this Orwellian concept that you just kind of threw out and how absurd it is. I mean, look at informed consent. Mm. Informed consent, you're supposed to tell them, about what the side effects from the surgery, the chemo, and the radiation is. But if you mention anything else, it's not informed consent now. Now you're now you've actually uh, practicing outside of the standard of care, and you're now a culprit and guilty of doing something wrong. And ethical breach of conduct has been now, uh, you know, it's it's almost like spontaneously created that that con- that that you've just um, breached the ethical standards of medicine by. Telling a person about another option, yes, which is again. Remember what this whole thing is falls underneath informed consent. Doesn't informed consent need, mean that you are informing the individual of all the different options? Sure, it would make Not- sense. But look at what happened in the dental profession, where the uh, the dentists that were so courageous enough to say how absurd it is for us to put mercury in the mouths of people and children and and claim that it's it's benign as opposed to what it really is, and they were attacked for that viciously. Absolutely. So, so I must want to be one of the toughest things, and we've covered so many behind-the-scenes viewpoint of the medical profession. Grateful to you for revealing a lot of these things. And, and I, again, the, the feedback on fascination is an understatement. But one of the hardest things got to be when you know what you know and you're able to help people, but yet you are restricted from doing that which you know to be right and true. It's almost like you have to go, all right, we're off the record now. <laughs> Don't tell anybody I told you the truth. And, that, and that's the kind of culture we're living in. And it's, it's rewarded the people or the docs that lie or don't acknowledge the truth are the ones that seemingly get rewarded well i think that the ultimate reward uh depending on what your belief system is you know is something that may not be immediate and may come you know later on and right life or whatever person believes after life whatever it is but you know i think it's more just being true to yourself and, and again we've talked about how some people are some of the doctors and most of the doctors are just miserable yeah and, and um I know that whenever I speak at conferences, this it's it's really strange how they flock around truth. And no matter what you do or how you try to um, 
you know, escape it. In other words, I sometimes after I've talked in front of a, uh, an audience of physicians and then after the lecture, you know, I've spent an hour talking to them in a group, like informally standing outside. And then I'll try to escape like it's time for me, you know, because my throat is hoarse. So I need to go to the restroom. <laughs> yes. get, get, they, yeah. they, they're like almost like, uh, you know, bees on honey. I'll say it the positive way. You know, yes. they, they, yes. they, they won't. They won't leave. They won't. You know, they're offering like, "Hey, can, you know, can I sit down with you? I'll buy you dinner, or you know, can we talk? You know, I, I, it's just, it's almost like a desperate cry for help. Almost, you yeah. know what I mean? No, I understand what you're saying. I I had this 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 discussion earlier. Well, actually, it was uh, early in the week last week with some uh, dear friends and and whose teenage son. You know, woke up and recognized that the erosion of liberty is, is, you know, fundamental to what's gone on here in, in all professions as well as in, in general. And he began to see through these things. And, you know, at, at 18, everybody's, you know, supposedly, you know, the idealistic liberal kind of viewpoint. And here, here the guy became more libertarian in his viewpoints and thinking. And so everybody's shunning the kid. You know, yet a lot, there are a lot of disparate student groups that are now coming together to endorse this kind of concept. And of course, the family has gone organic. I mean, they've made just radical changes for their health, tying into this concept of how liberty fits in with food freedom as well. Yeah, you know, it's uh, interesting you bring this up. And I think maybe you and I, I don't think we mentioned it on air. I think it was during a private conversation you and I had. Remember I told you about my daughter? Um, she's 18. She's getting ready to start North Carolina State University. And right. She, uh, we were talking about politics or something, and um, I don't remember how we got on the subject. Maybe um, uh, it was something about handguns, I think. Probably like so. I mean, that's, that's always been the controversial topic when you got people that are into natural foods and stuff. Sometimes they look at guns and they're frightened about it, but we've talked extensively about this. You know, that, that firearms for you know, de- defense, really the ultimate thing when we talk back to the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, why was the right to keep and bear arms there? It wasn't so we can go out and just kill people willy-nilly. That's what the government does. <laughs> but it was really to defend ourselves, defend our yes, liberty. Exactly. I mean, you know, a, a government is supposed to be in fear of the people, not the people of fear of the government. And, and the absurdity of the gun aspect is that the people that are truly uh, – that should be of concern, they're not the people that go out and get a license and get training on how to handle a weapon. I mean, these people are the hoodlums on the street. Those guns aren't registered. So to make this thing about registration of weapons and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just so absurd. It's, it's, a, it's, like the, uh, it's like the concept of um, one of the things that was coming to mind was this concept, again, I hate to say it, but about chemo, you know. Yes. Give chemo, give chemo. It's a poison. It's a poison. Everybody knows it's a poison. Even the doctors themselves in college, when, when I was a resident, when we'd have rounds with the oncologist, they would say, look at the t- watch and say, oh, I got to go. I got a patient. I got to go poison them. Yeah. That, that, that I mean, was they, a thing that they say. And yet, when you think about it from a conceptual standpoint, anybody, even a child with the most basic understanding, you know, like a five-year-old child, if you tell them, well, this is chemo, it's a poison, the question is going to be, why are we giving a poison to somebody right. sick? Yes. It's the same type of thing, the, the gun thing aspect. And maybe that's a very loose association that I'm kind of bringing together. But the point that I was trying to make was that my daughter, who is probably um, the least individual I ever thought would have an issue with this, uh-huh. um, ended up bringing up the thing about guns, about handguns. And we're talking about it. And she says, Dad, I want to get a uh, handgun permit. A concealed license carry kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, she's, yeah. I'm looking at my daughter. I'm like, what? You didn't expect like that from her. The last person on the planet I would have expected this from. Right. 
Well, and we've seen that the government itself has played into this uh, down on the border with Mexico, where they've actually had a, some kind of undercover operation to buy guns and then give them to the Mexican drug cartels just to prove that this was happening. And, it, it, and basically, the government allowed this to happen. No one could track it. The Mexicans didn't know what was going on. And now we find out all of these guns the government bought and, and, and did this subterfuge to let them loose in Mexico coming back to haunt the people of America. And it was the government that was guilty of this. Well, Robert, it goes so deep and so far. I mean, we're talking about right here with the uh, U.S. government, with the Mexican government, given the guns that you just mentioned. Well, I saw a, a piece while I was in Hawaii. My brother actually showed it to me. It was off the, what is it, the Russian station, the Russian... Um, RT, station. probably. Yes. What is yeah. it again? RT. They call it Russia Today. That's it. RT. Now they got, was, they uh, got, by the way, there's Adam Kokesh, who's a Iraqi war veteran, Marine, who's got a show on there now as well. They call Adam versus the man. They're actually, uh, you know, for whatever you want to say about it, it's more freedom and information coming out of RT than a lot of the U.S. news sources. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. In fact, this was something that was done in conjunction with BBC, BBC the British Broadcasting um, Corporation, BBC, Corporation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and RT. And it was a, like a five-minute segment of video. It was, it was a new segment that was um, aired on their, um, on their airwaves. I got to get you this. It, was, it blew me away. It was talking about Libya and Gaddafi and what the real motivation appears to be. It's yeah. all related to get this. You, you're not, not going to believe this. Dollar, head, how do they say it? Hegemony? Hegemony? Uh, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that term. No, it's a fan. I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. I, I kind of trying to ruin some of these old words, but I mean, I realized that a lot of these countries that wanted to get off of the dollar standard for their oil and switch to gold or other substances. That's one of Bingo. the big things. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. That yeah. is exactly what it was. And the, the case that they make, mm-hmm. it is absolutely shocking that that is real. When you, when you start watching the segment, you can't refute any of it. Yeah. it that's exactly the reason that we went in there. Yeah. yeah it's because, re- because a U.S. economy, and the U.S. system, the U.S. Res- dollar res- uh, being the world's reserve currency, was being threatened. Yes. And that is the reason. And the thing is, they have to do it by the force of a gun. It's always been about that. That's what legal tender laws are all about as well. we got to force you to take this worthless commodity, scraps of paper with numbers written on it, because in a normal free market, people would look at that and go, what are you, nuts? What am I, stupid? And so they have to utilize this, and the game is falling apart, not only here in the U.S., but internationally. And when Libya and others in Iraq before that, you know, literally motivated beyond this, oh, if war for oil, it's about, you know, dollar hege I can't say the word, hegemony, <laughs> forget it. Uh, but it's about literally mandating and forcing the world reserve currency to maintain itself. That's the only way the empire survives when the Federal Reserve note dollar collapses. Bring the tr- what we talk about bringing the troops home. You want to protect them, bring them home, defend our own borders. Uh, we'll be forced to do so, but we may not even have the money to buy them the plane ticket to get them home if we allow that to happen. It's a total illusion that's been portrayed, and the public, the American public, is, doesn't have any way of getting this information unless they start getting on the Internet and start looking out there and other sources of news because the U.S. media won't even cover it. And we've talked about the journalistic integrity of the lack thereof yes. so often, but that's really what it comes down to because nobody, nobody believes this because from just a pure marketing standpoint, you have to have seen a message two or three or four times before it starts sinking in. They prevent that information from being even disseminated. So when it is, when they hear it somewhere, they automatically 
write it off to being absurd because it can't be true because if it was, then ABC and CBS and Fox and everybody mm. else would be covering it. Right, but those are all part of the controlled media. That's why the growth, as we, as we know, of natural news and other sites like it or RT now, uh, as well as the Robert Scott Bell Show, because the information we're able to let loose on, we are not controlled by such corporatocracy, if you will. We don't take corporate welfare. We're out there uh, you know, put, going on our own steam because what we speak is, is factual and truthful. And as you said, this comes back to what you were talking about, the doctors that gravitate to you after the seminars. It's like when they hear this truth, it resonates, and it's like this hunger for it, as you said. It's something we're lacking, and when they, even if they can't put their finger on or describe it, they can feel it, they can sense it, and that's what's happening. I totally, totally agree with you. In fact, I've written a book, and I haven't put it out yet, but I'm getting ready to do it now. Um, it's called The 19 Biggest Mistakes Doctors Make. Hmm. And it's only going to be, um, obviously, for physicians, but there's almost a million doctors in the United States. And so um, I thought that I may just even just give the book away, uh, an electronic version to all the doctors, so they can start seeing the fallacies that they've hmm. been victim to themselves. Um, and a lot, a lot of this, it's not their own fault. I mean, it's it's kind of like how they were led. They, they're probably the – it's kind of probably how Nazi Germany did it. You know, they took mm-hmm. a certain group of people and made them – try to make them feel like that they were better than everybody else in order yes. to maintain control over them. And that's basically what the pharmaceutical cartels have done with doctors is make them feel that they're superior to everybody else. Right. And, um, and so they, you know, being, being put up on that pedestal, per se, yes. has created some of this problem. Well, as you can tell, Advanced Medicine Monday, we talk about the, the definition of medicine. It's much more. You know, we talk about the medicine man in Native America. It wasn't only about herbs. I mean, good medicine is what we're talking about here. Applies to all areas of life. And that's what we do every Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Of course, his book, Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. We have those links up. We'll talk more about that and more about healing on all levels here after this break. Lots more healing after this with Dr. Bittar. Healing on all levels as usual here on the Robert Scott Bell Show every Monday, Advanced Medicine Monday. Doing some medical rewind with Dr. Bittar on on so many topics here. And uh, Dr. Bittar, it's it's beyond fascinating when we get together. I love the things we're able to cover. You mentioned about some of these key, maybe you said 19 key mistakes that doctors are making that you want to reveal, you know, just focal pointed to the docs. But of course, many of the patients would certainly like to know as well, maybe a couple of them that are really... Uh, very important for maybe you're going in to see a doctor. You want to make sure your doc doesn't make one of those mistakes. Well, Robert, it's not so much the clinical aspect of what they're doing. It's more mm-hmm. from a philosophical and, and from a life standpoint that these doctors are making these mistakes. And, and a lot of it comes down to, I'll, I'll give you an example that may help to bring this more to light. Um, if you have two doctors, if you have three doctors standing in a group, three or more doctors standing in a group talking, okay? Mm, okay. The subject will always revolve around something to do with medicine or some type of extracurricular activity, but it will never, by definition, it will never revolve around finance or financial issues. Never. Okay. If you've got three doctors or more. Why, yeah. is it, why is that? Because it's considered unethical. Okay. But if you have two doctors in a conversation, it will never 
be about okay when i'm saying never you know you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, I, I do i basically yeah yeah it'll always be about something about finances it'll interesting about so three it. three together never finance two together it's like right to the financial issue exactly interesting because in front of three you don't know who the other person is you're not sure about you know it may be i mean i, I guess if you got three really close friends at the doctors they may be talking about something financial but doctors will it, it, they've got such a um, I, I'll give you an example of, uh, of one of the things that the medical board says. Medical boards in most of the states says that it is, it is unethical. They, they, they classify it in certain states as unethical, and they haven't broached this across the board, across all states. But one of the things the Federation of State Medical Boards is trying to do is saying that doctors, for them to sell a supplement, a nutritional supplement, from their office is not in the standard of care and um, breaches ethical conduct. Now, Never mind the fact that the vast majority of nutritional supplements out in the market are absolute crap and they're bastardized. And if a doctor is carrying a supplement in his office, it's because at least they know it's a better brand, they've tested the quality, whatever the case may be. Right. But that that's considered to be theoretically un or not theoretically, but from from a majority standpoint viewpoint unethical. However, and and when you ask them why, by the way, it's because you are making a profit from those supplements. Now, my question is when a doctor, when a patient comes into your office and you see them for an office visit or you do a procedure, is there no profit there? <laughs> well, I mean, it's the most absurd thing. In my office, during the second attack from the medical board back in 2003, 2005, which we've, where we forced the medical board to sign a consent order, that was one of their things that they had that I was making a profit from um, the sale of uh, nutritional supplements. And we put in there, we, we have a piece of paper, it's laminated, it's on our table, and it says basically that everything in this office, we are, we are, in, we are not a nonprofit, we are a for-profit organization, yes. and everything you do in this office, including purchase of any item, product, service, anything that you do, in fact, even breathing in this office is going to cost you money. <laughs> okay? And then I had so many patients over the next three to four months bring up that, Dr. Pichard, why do you have such an absurd thing up there? Yes. What's the purpose of this? So then I changed it by adding a little line at the bottom. This message is brought to you courtesy of the North Carolina Medical Board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what, what other patient responses did you get when you explained what was going on there? Well, the, the, people looked at me like, well, of course this is, you know, obviously there's some kind of profit that's being made here. Otherwise, how would you pay your employees? How would you pay for your rent? How would you pay for expenses? How would you pay for your own life, for your own food? For And I'm, I'm thinking, looking at them going, well, I'm glad you get it, but apparently the North Carolina Medical Board or these other medical boards don't get it. And, of course, they do get it. It's yeah. just that they're trying to – again, it's like the evidence-based medicine. Their form of evidence-based medicine is anything but based on evidence. It's the same thing. The hypocrisy of the terminology that they use to define what they do versus mm -hmm. what the right thing is to be done. To say that your nutritional supplements are, are – it's unethical to sell something from your office. Well, what about the mm -hmm. orthopedic surgeon who has crutches for the person that comes into you – know, who had a broken leg? Is that unethical? <laughs> yeah. They, how dare you sell those crutches? You're making money on – now, Now this comes back to you know, all of the Orwellian uh, absurdities. You know, We have to sacrifice the patient in order to save it. I mean it sounds like – these medical boards are operating on a collectivist, socialist kind of viewpoint in this regard. If you if you can't, uh, you know, let's say, uh, make any profit, it's like how do, how do you continue? Do you expect that the Federal Reserve is going to pay for it all? Again, this we come back to Obamacare issues, socialized medicine well, I issues. I think it's beyond that, Robert. I think this is racketeering. This is conspiracy. This is bordering on, um, you know, the uh, what's the term that they call when you mon monopolization. And you yes. actually brought that up before, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah, monopoly medicine again. 
And, of course, the control of the docks is critical for the ruse to keep going. If the docks rebel against this, then they, they lose the, you know, the, their ability to deliver that which is being promoted through the monopoly system. You're absolutely correct. In fact, in this book, uh, I, I actually have thought about changing the title um, slightly to the 19 biggest financial mistakes that doctors make only because I think that that would appeal to more of the doctors that are out there. Mm. Because, and, and because each one of these mistakes does result in a great financial loss of the doctors. What they don't seem to understand is if they actually did the right thing, yeah. they would actually have a greater patient population and they would profit more and by helping people rather than by hurting them. Yeah, that comes back to something we talked about early on when we were, we were beginning these things. And we've talked for years about these issues as well prior to that, that if you're actually able to help people get well, they're not going to necessarily come back to you because they're well. And that, that's a freaky thing for some people. Well, I need them to always be here. But it's like the moment you get one person well, they're going to tell 100 or 1,000 others. Wow, what the, he did, this guy, it actually worked. You're gonna you, know, have, you will never be able to exhaust the amount of people that will want to see you. Well, it comes back to that concept off in the Far East that many doctors only get paid when the patient's healthy. As soon as the patient becomes unhealthy, becomes sick, the doctor no longer gets paid. Just imagine what the incentive would be if doctors only got paid while people maintain their good health. And as soon as somebody gets ill, there would be no incentive for the doctor. Don't you think yeah. that everything would change radically in our system, in our, in our own country? Well, exactly. And if we were honest about uh, people, whether it be healers or not, doctors or not, and being able to earn a living and be able to care for themselves or their families, and then, you know, my goodness, be able to do charity without the federal government intervening and saying it's against the law to give, like in Orlando, they, they were arresting people for feeding homeless people. For goodness sake, you know, you get that becomes char- charity. No, only the federal government can do that or the state government. I mean, on that level, that level of monopoly is amazing. And so people naturally will get lazy and say, well, why should I have to do anything for my fellow man? The government's doing it all. Of course, they're doing a horrible job at it. Yeah, and they're taking 70 percent of whatever is given for that cause and exactly. using it for something else. And, you know, if toilet seats are costing nine hundred dollars then how much is a bowl of soup cost? <laughs> yeah, well, the absolute waste in the system. Anytime you involve third parties in that relationship, again, destroying the doctor-patient relationship. These are fundamental philosophies. And I come back to the issue of cancer in this regard because some people are not willing to change their lives until they're faced with their own mortality. And we are looking at the system that is facing its own mortality. It's not willing to change by, let's say, volunteering to change. It's seemingly going to have to collapse much like the Federal Reserve System, in order for the system of legitimacy and honesty and integrity to reestablish itself. And this is exactly, uh, as you just very eloquently stated, that this would be an example of a mistake that doctors make. Because for them to take the time to understand certain basic concepts, I mean really basic things, like that cancer is an obligate anaerobic metabolizer, and the cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer and some of these concepts and explain these to their patient help understand it themselves and help to relay this information to those that they are in charge of taking care of who they've got a fiduciary responsibility to take care of their health and to educate them to do exactly what the word physician means to educate them to teach them these concepts they will enjoy in return healthier people and a loyalty that comes way more than what an insurance company can send patients to you or some other organization or or you know body can send to you in other words this concept that you mentioned you know doctors are so scared that wait a second if your patient gets better then they're not going to come and I got to keep them within my own within my own sector i mean bef- before my book came out we had patients from 70 countries 
We didn't even know that. We put down in the book 42 countries because that's what we thought at the time of 40-some countries. 72 countries, and that's before the book came out. I mean, now it's, I don't know, I think we've shipped our books to 90, I don't know how many different countries. But as far as providing services to patients or, or people, we have people from 70, I think, I'm sorry, 71 countries and 42 states. And that's before the book came out, Robert. So it goes back to exactly what you said, that if you take care of people, they will end up telling more and more people. Because I don't advertise in 71 countries or 42 states. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. you got the ad agency plugging it into every language on the planet. No, of course not. Like you said, this word of mouth is so phenomenal. Just like we're seeing the growth of natural news, the growth of the Robert Scott Bell Show, all these things that we're doing. We, you know, we're not actually buying our way into anything. It's like people get so uh, uh, passionate about the, the you know the, the these these truths that they're hearing or their experience with us that that is the the, the organic growth that we would expect but it, it also doesn't happen overnight it's not like you buy your way into everywhere it happens very naturally and that's the kind of growth that I guess it's foreign to the way things are marketed nowadays that we we look at instant and that's it well you know it it's also brings up another interesting uh, experience that I had a few months back where. I was having a discussion with a couple of uh, doctors, and one of them made a comment because it was with the, uh, regarding this marketing. I said, if you do the right thing, people will find you. You take care of people, you know, the finances will come. Everything comes. This is what Confucius said, take care of people, and the money will come. Um, the means will come, or whatever the term is. And this guy said, well, it's easy for you to say because you've got this best-selling book out there. And I said, well, do you think the best-selling book just happened on its own? I mean, it was because people <laughs> yes. gravitated to the message. and. And, you know, some people say, well, look, Dr. Batar, you're on this radio show, you know, every week. Well, I didn't get on this radio show to bring in more patients. I got on this radio show to get the message out there more. As you, Robert, you and I had this discussion before the radio show launched in February. Yeah. When you asked me to be a, uh, a regular, you know, part of the show, well, it wasn't because I needed to bring in more patients. For God's sake, I was already back. You're already up. overloaded. I know. That. Yeah, exactly. It's like it was in order to get the message out to more people so they become empowered and mm-hmm. they, they end up understanding so that they have that source of information that they know they can rely on, that you're providing a phenomenal service to people over the last 10, 11 years. And if I had an opportunity to be part of that, to be able to get that information out, because my goal has always been – I can only help so many patients in my clinic per day. Right. But I, there's, there's literally hundreds of thousands of people that need this information. And it needs to be presented to them in a way that they can understand it, grasp it, absorb it, under, make it part of themselves, and then enact upon it. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that with people that are coming just to my clinic. I mean, I can do that with the people that come into my clinic, but I can't get to 100,000 people or 50,000 people. That's what this is all about. Uh, the most powerful experience that I've had this entire year yeah. was in April – speaking at a conference, and this young man, I'm talking probably, he probably wasn't even a day over 20. I think we talked about this, didn't we, Robert? We the guy that had that, that yeah. emotional response. Yeah. He asked me to autograph his book. He was like in the early 20s, very early 20s, maybe like 21. Yeah. And, and, I, and he asked, he worked for the, the company that was putting on the conference, in fact. And he said, Dr. Tarr, I heard that you're going to be doing a book signing tomorrow. And I said, yeah, but unfortunately, you know, I, I didn't bring any books with me. I mean, that's I go to these conferences, I forget to take the books, I forget to take my business card. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and I said, I, did, I didn't bring any books with me, I'm sorry. And he says, no, no. And he reaches into his satchel and he pulls out his own copy of the book. Mm. He bought it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble somewhere. Yeah. And he goes, no, I've got my own copy. I was wondering if you could sign it, autograph it. And I said, sure. And he goes, would you mind doing it right now? He goes, I, I hate to do that to you. I know you got, you got the book signing tomorrow, but I, would you do that for me now? And I said, sure. 
I signed the book. Yes. And um, did I tell you this? Well, not on the air. I want everybody to hear it. Okay. So I, I, I signed the book and I give it to him. And one of, there was a, a rep from a company, um, HR, who does a lot of stuff um, with, a, with a company out of Texas. My rep, really great guy, and standing next to me as I'm signing the book. And as I, as I gave him the book and the guy starts walking away, I thought I noticed some tears in his eyes, but I thought it's just my imagination. Yeah. HR says to me, Dr. Tart, did that guy just tear up? And I thought, well, I'm, it's weird that he also noticed it. Yes. And then the uh, person from the, the, the our, our representative for the conference came up to me, Troy, and um, I'm, HR and I mentioned this to Troy that, you know, this is one of your employees and, you know, we just kind of saw that. And he goes, oh, Dr. Tart, you don't even know. He and his wife, apparently they were going through some kind of a problem. He bought a copy. He saw the copy of the book in Troy's desk, asked Troy about it, borrowed it, ended up getting his own copy. And he and his wife read the copy of the book together. And their relationship is stronger now. And their problems, whatever they were having, were resolved. Now, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> are, you, are you seeing from the nine steps to keep the doctor? And he said, yeah. I'm thinking that has nothing to do with marriage or relationship. It's, to, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, what about that, that chapter you put on, on on marriage counselors and stuff? Oh, I, no, that wasn't in the book. You're right. <laughs> well, yeah, that, no, it, it, I think it may have been about the love and fear aspect. Yes. It could have been about, you know, there's so the many principles. different that kind of extend into different parts of a person's life. And I don't know what part it was, but I'll tell you, that has been my goal, that to be able to impact mm-hmm. an individual without ever even knowing that individual. Yeah. That's where, that's what my goal has been is to be able to shift somebody because do you know how empowering that was for me to know that I look I've never met this guy I didn't even know this guy existed yep. I didn't even know the guy had read my book and yet it made a difference in his life and if every human being on the planet could have the same type of a response the same type of a goal that to impact others in a way that far exceeds their own individual ability to contact them or or, or maintain yeah. a relationship with them and still impact them in a positive way yeah. How amazing would this world be? Well, and that's exactly what we're doing here every week. And uh, we get the feedback like that from time to time and loads more we don't hear from. But take it, uh, suffice it to say, again, that's what uh, makes the heart uh, uh, happy in this regard. We're going to continue to do so. We're going to take a quick break here. Dr. Batar continues with me on Advanced Medicine Monday. I'm going to cover some things in the news. One story related to mercury that we really need to, to reveal and also prepare as far as Uh, protecting ourselves right now. So stay with me. We're going to get to that after the break right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, Dr. Batar, with all of your good work in detoxing metals, you're working on a book about medical metal, metal toxicology. Of course, there's plenty of good information in your book already on the nine steps to keep, keep the doctor away about heavy metals and such and mercury. Now the controversy, of course, this has been controversial since day one when Congress enacted legislation to ban incandescent bulbs going back to Thomas Edison and replace them with these compact fluorescent bulbs, the CFLs, that contain so much mercury that if you break them, hazardous materials, uh, whatever they have to call in the hazmat teams to clean it up. And, you know, I've often said the the, the road to hell is, is paved with good intentions. That's an old saying, of course. But we talk about environmental do-gooders wanting to save the planet, burn less energy, yet they put mercury in the bulbs. They break. What are we going to do? You know, I don't know even whether um, – I mean, I know you're not a naive person, Robert. So I don't <laughs> even know whether this would be good-doers accidentally, you know, doing something bad. I think this was probably – you know, maybe I've become more cynical uh, as I get older. I don't know, but yes, under the guise of trying to do 
the best thing for the environment and for people, yes. I believe they kind of subversively brought this into play because if you believe that mercury in the vaccines and mercury in the dental amalgam that are put into the body was done accidentally and now there's so much controversy about it. Hey, why not put it in bulbs too now and just expose people more? Yes. I mean, this is, a, this is the second most toxic substance known to man. How can anybody, even the environment, I mean, the Environmental Protection Agency says the second most toxic substance known to man. Not second most toxic metal. You're right. Second most toxic substance to, to known to man, according to Centers for Disease Control and the Environmental Protection Agency, is mercury. And yet they're putting it inside our bulbs. So how can anybody say that this was done, you know, accidentally and, and they were trying to, you know, environmental good doers didn't realize what they were doing. No, that's, yeah. I, I believe that's BS. I think it was done purposely, intentionally, under the guise of being more environmentally conscious by reducing the amount of energy. I mean, you know what? I would rather – this is like the solar panel aspect, you know. Right. So many people talk about how solar power, uh, the solar panels – are more energy efficient. But look at the amount of energy it costs to create the solar panels. It's like, it'll take like 22 years or something ridiculous like that for the amount of power that was expended to make the solar panels in the first place. To gain it back, yes. Gain it back. Yeah, yeah. And we got that efficiency issue also with nuclear energy when they said, oh, it's clean energy and all of that and how cheap it is. You look at how much goes into making those things, much less the artificial insurance uh, that is forced upon the taxpayer because nobody in their right mind would insure a nuclear power plant. Uh, And just ask ask the Japanese now what they they think of that. (laughs) Exactly. No, I know. This is something that uh, you, we got to raise the, the awareness. I remember when they first passed this legislation, I said, okay, what are these bulbs all about? Found out that they contain mercury vapor, and I said, this this is absolute insanity. So much of the insanity that has gone on, it took it to a whole whole other level. And, you know, I come back to the whole Al Gore uh, concept of environmentalism. We might believe that, yes, it's good to clean up the environment. We're all about cleaning up toxins. But to add more toxins in the process of cleaning up, it comes back to what I said about abandoning the free market to save it, sacrificing the patient to save the patient. I mean, this is how things are going right now. It's like, are we moving backwards? But I think the awakening is happening because uh, – um, you know, even on the on the warfare front, when you talk about you know what we revealed today on the show about the real reason for behind these wars, about maintaining that monopoly on the planet of power that motivates everybody, they don't give a flip about the environment. They just play people's fears. They play people's do good intentions in their own minds and say, "Hey, we're doing that," and the people have fallen for it for far too long. We're cleaning them up so they can see through it. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. This is why I said that, made that comment about the environmental, you know, I think it was done under that guise of deceiving the public and to making them think that it was done for environmental reasons. And in actuality, it may be more sinister. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you know, maybe, as I said, maybe I'm just getting more cynical, but regardless of whether I'm getting more cynical, the facts are facts. Mercury is toxic and you shouldn't have it in your house and you shouldn't have it in anything as delicate as a bulb. And I'll tell you what's really funny is that we were doing some um, changes to our house about nine months ago, almost almost a year ago. And um, this is right when those new bulbs were kind of becoming more and more popular. And I remember seeing this, you know, twirly-like pigtail-like bulb. And I thought, oh, this is supposed to, be, it's supposed to burn three times longer and, you know, or five times longer, whatever it was, and less power and brighter light. And I, like, grabbed a couple of those things. Like, you know, we, you, know you started using these energy-efficient bulbs. And... I put them in the shopping cart. We were at Lowe's, my wife and I. 
And uh, she was looking at something, and it was something that didn't interest me. So I'm standing there waiting for it, and I just happened to pick up the pick up the bulb. Yeah. And I started reading it, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's got mercury in it!" Yeah. And Deb, my Deb, my wife turns around and she goes, "What's got mercury in it?" I said, "These bulbs." She goes, "No, it doesn't." I, yeah. And I showed it to her. She was appalled by it. She goes, "But they're supposed to be this energy efficient, you know, better for the environment." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like preposterous. Well, it's so, you know, coming back to the you know one billion dollar toilet seat, right? You expect yeah. government to do things correctly. You expect something that just doesn't happen. If they do it correctly, they, they it was kind of an accident. Oops! How did we get that right? Exactly. <laughs> But I mean, this is the the waking up, I, I suppose, of everybody. And what, what I've tried to talk about, in, in, in you know, uh, getting beyond the uh, false Hegelian dialectic kind of concept of control of or the right left paradigm, the Republican Democrat. There's not a as, as who said there's not a dime's worth of the difference. Uh, the reality is, you know, someone like Dr. Ron Paul, I come back to, who's not you know basically played a game in regards to his principles and what he relates, and it upsets both the left and the right, the Republicans and the Democrats. Yet we're told that, oh, my gosh, if, if you go that way, it's too far out of the mainstream. It's like, what if the, if the mainstream, the stream itself is so toxic and polluted? Why do you want to be part of that? It's amazing that we even have to ask that question. It is, but we got to. We have to because the the awakening. Although I, I think the uh, the audience here is is much more enlightened. Now, obviously, the awareness, the consciousness is sh- is shifting. It's changing. It's very exciting to see it. There are still so many people that yet have have yet been touched by this. Partly because of the fear of of uh, those of us who maybe who haven't spoken out in the past, and it's time to. Now we're not talking about uh, you know going out with a bullhorn. I mean that's just going to annoy people. It won't be efficient. But I'm talking about finding ways to efficiently and effectively communicate this message to wake people up where they are. Without you know, I realize in talk radio, this is what I do. That I can annoy people. It's not my intent to do so, but sometimes it's a, it's a it's a technique to have people to sit up and look at something different. But if if all we're going to do is be annoying about it, it's not going to be successful. We've got to be smarter than that. Well, and I think the way that you've done it, it has been done in a way um, that's smarter than that because it's not annoying people. It's actually awakening people. It's actually empowering people. I've always said, you know, like with the Know Your Options, uh, the medical series DVDs that we put out there that you right. did the. Um, introduction for me that by empowering people with knowledge you allow them to get that power you give them information you give them knowledge and that knowledge is what empowers them and when you become empowered you become independent and that's the key yes to be independent to be free that's what the meaning of freedom is right well, and I love the theme continuing from our Independence Day weekend uh, last weekend. What all we were talking about is just that very role is that it is independence that is the pathway that allows us to not only see this but then act on it. And then we come back to the concept of helping other people. Like you said, it's like, you know, you were touched so much by this person that came up to you, didn't know. Suddenly you realized how the, that what we do, we put it out there. And it isn't necessarily to gain that, oh, I, yeah, I need the accolade because my ego just, I'm so brutal. I don't, we, look, we, we've, accomplished a number of things in our life we're happy about that but that kind of thing is priceless absolutely you can't you cannot put a value on that you can't put a price on it you can't measure that because in my mind i mean it was so powerful for me personally to experience it because i didn't know this guy i didn't even know he existed before this but it made a difference in him and i'm thinking to myself if they did this to this one guy and it helped yes. him and his wife god how many other people has this impacted that I don't know about. Right. And no wonder my life is so blessed because there's so many people that, you know, they think about it. If they've read the book and they've been moved by the book or they've been, uh, you know, their life's changed by the book and they think of me, they're thinking of me in a positive way. That is nothing. That is an intention. That is a prayer. Yes. So I've got all these thousands of people, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people 
out there with these positive thoughts, and that's what my, reason, my one of the reasons my life is so blessed. And yeah. that is just it's so humbling. I mean, yeah. I, I, the only word I can think of is that it makes you realize you have so much to be grateful for because for whatever reason, the creator gave me that one little thing to be able to help somebody else. And yes. If somebody else can do the same thing back, every time, every time somebody has the opportunity to help somebody else, mm-hmm. that is the same thing. It's a prayer. It's, that intention is a prayer. It's a, it's a way to energetically, in fact, quantum physics defines it yes. as a particulate and a wave property, and it actually is something that's tangible. It's measurable. It's been experimented on, and people have done these various studies where they've evaluated the ability to manipulate the change in weather patterns or whether it be on the rate of growth of a, a fungus in a petri dish by thinking about it, by praying about it, you know, praying yes. on it. Mm-hmm. And, and they have found it conclusively that the thought process, when you put that attention towards something versus taking away attention from something, the one that you're going to give the attention to, the intention to, yes. it's going to actually increase the rate of growth, for example. And it goes back to that old principle. Uh, I heard this a long time ago, and I use it as one of my favorite things, is where, where attention goes, energy flows. Well said, exactly. And, of course, gratitude opens up that energy flow even more extraordinarily. You mentioned the word gratitude. And our message, I, I believe, is that Everybody listening here has some gift that will impact the lives of, of others, maybe even one. And, and I've, I've told the story of it, uh, it matters to this starfish many times. A million starfish on the beach, the kids throwing the star, picking up one at a time, throwing it back into the water, back in the water. The, the adult says, come on, there's a million here. What does it matter? What does it matter really? And the little kid looks up at the adult and says, it matters to this starfish. That one person is what it's all about. That is absolutely right. This is the reason that one of the worst words in the English language that I think uh, exists is the word anecdotal. <laughs> when they say, well, this is anecdotal. Well, it's not anecdotal to that one out of a million people that it yes. made a difference in. Yes, exactly. And that's why we also talk about it in terms of the, the one child that may be damaged out of how many by the vaccine. It mattered to that child and those that, that family, that those parents. So when we come back from this break, we got one more uh, segment here on the Advanced Medicine Monday version of the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Bittar. Uh, we'll talk also about some probiotic issues. There's a fascinating story I covered last week. I want to have Dr. Bittar chime in on that as well remember the nine steps to keep the doctor away we've got that linked up as well as medical rewind 866-939-BELL is the number if you'd like to call in question comments for these segments and more and we'll be right back with more powerful healing stay with us rock in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. It always goes much too fast when we have Dr. Batar on the program here at Advanced Medicine Monday. And we were just talking about the mercury issue. Some people might say, hey, how do I get rid of the mercury? Well, there's a wealth of knowledge free for download on the archive site through naturalnewsradio.com as well of all the Advanced Medicine Mondays we've done with Dr. Batar, including the wealth of information on the Know Your Options video series. I have that linked up as well. Medicalrewind.com, the book Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. So there's plenty of materials to get you back on track. But what I wanted to do, Dr. Batar, is, is reference this uh, new study that came out. I talked about it last week, but boy, oh boy, it is fascinating that they're finally catching up, that the microbial world matters, that it matters more than we can imagine, that we depend upon it for life itself and this study um, referencing uh, talks about mental and emotional health and microbial flora in the gut well actually i think that medicine has and pretty much all the healthcare industries have 
always understood the importance of the bacterial aspect. The problem has been that they've gone in and they've thought that the key was to annihilate bacteria and that all bacteria is bad. And I think that's where the fallacy and the problems have been created. And to now understand that actually you need to give the body bacteria and you need to give the body bacteria not just to preserve the good bacteria in the gut, but that it actually has implications throughout the entire system. And I think that's why, you know, finally for them to catch up with this neurological uh, study now being done or having been completed at uh, Texas Tech shows that the people are coming on board finally. But look, how many years has it taken? I mean, how long have probiotics been around, Robert? Right. Well, I know it's not like it's new, but, uh, you know, we I, I dig the science, as do you. But a lot of the science has been so corrupted that when, uh, when something like this comes out, we're like, wow, something's happening in the scientific in, uh, realm. They're actually allowing legitimate studies to come out that reveal things that we can benefit from the information and apply things better or, or differently. And that's exciting to me. Well, it is exciting, but it's also a little frustrating for me when I read the quote here. This paper proposes a new field yes, yes. of micro, microbial endocrinology where micro, uh, microbiology meets neuroscience. Well, and, and this concerns me too because what are they going to do? In, inject the bacteria with little doses of SSRI medication? You know, because, oh, look, the gut affects the brain and the nervous system. You know, see, they'll use it improperly or wrong. But, of course, we're, we're aiming for taking that to show justification for all that we've been doing. See, look, the science is there. You're absolutely right. I, I think that it's, it's an absurdity that it's gone like this. But this is apparently how the, um, the system works. It's like that old adage all truths go through three phases. And so I think this is the third phase. We're accepting it as always having been the truth, but they're calling it a new science. It's like the first time I had a patient that came to my office. It was back in, I guess, 1999. I had this experience where a patient came to my office and they said, Dr. Batar, I saw the, the stupidest thing I have ever seen on television. And I said, stupidest? What, what do you mean? And he said, this is, I believe it was, there should be a show called uh, dumb criminals or America's dumbest or something like that. <laughs> I know I'm not sure, but I, I know it's all over the internet. Things like that. But uh, what was it referenced to? He, he was referencing that he had heard this new study. This is a patient that I treated for cancer back in like 1997. So this is a couple of years after that. And you know he, he had he had been very um, aware of the of the dietary aspects that he should stay away from anything that is sugar laden because. Cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer and feeds on sugar, and that's one reason cancer produces its own IGF-1 insulin-like growth factor and you know all that aspects that we talk about on, on, on some of the DVDs and the Know Your Options. And so in the cancer DVD and, and the transity DVD and some of these other ones. So he was very aware of this aspect of sugar and how it plays into the um, role of cancer, not only cancer but heart disease as well and the hyperinsulinic response, etc. And this the stupidest thing he said he'd ever seen on TV was this New segment that they brought on, and they said Stanford had just discovered that cancer feeds on sugar. Hmm. Had just discovered this. And he's looking, this guy's looking at me because you told me this two years ago. And I said, Well, I, I hate to tell you this, but this information was before I was even born. <laughs> People knew this information. But Stanford just got it yes. in 1999 or whenever it was. But, but and they're one of the top universities. And, it's, and it was new. Yeah. They just discovered it. That's why he said it was a stupid thing because they just discovered it. So they, they grabbed this information that's been out there for years. And guess what? I, I will make a prediction. I'm going to show you how good of a soothsayer <laughs> I am. Yeah. I predict that some major universities in the next 15 years yes. will discover that mercury causes autism, causes 
Alzheimer's? No. Contributing fact in cancer and heart disease. Well, we're going to mark this down because, boy, oh, boy, that's that's, that's a risky proposition. <laughs> They're actually going to find this and discover it. But it's a it's a great way to, to, to wrap up the program today to show these absurdities where we started with some of these absurdities, Dr. Batar. And I'm, again, always so grateful to have you on board here because it, it elevates the discussion, even though we can do it sometimes with a lot of humor. And maybe that's how we can actually get the message out there. And I appreciate so much you helped me to do that. Robert, it was, it's an honor to be able to do it. And uh, I don't think... Uh you know, as I said to you before, I don't think that if I had to prepare for this, I could really do it. But I think our chemistry together is what makes it happen. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have that chemistry that's been able to be brought together in order to help other people out there that are listening to the show. Well, it definitely is elevating the, the discussion each week. And, and we sometimes we, we just never know where we end up. But I am so pleased that this is getting out there. And so thank you to all of you that uh, look forward to this segment every week, the Advanced Medicine Monday segment, Doc, Dr. Batar, Medical Rewind. We're going to keep rocking and rolling the health world as we do every day, in fact, here as well. Dr. Batar, you're only here with me once a week. It's not enough, but we do whatever we can. And you have ways that people can learn more about you. I always encourage people to get your books, and there's lots of videos and things. But let everybody know where they can learn more. Well, there, there are a number of different sites that are uh, available to people for resources, but we've got them all uh, in one location so people can pick and choose whatever information they need, and that would be at medicalrewind.com. We got to do a lot more healing every day. There's not enough time, even though we're doing it every day. And Dr. Batar, I'm grateful that you're with me every week. Robert, I'm grateful to be on the radio with you every week. Just here to remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.